0: to each and every one of us and, fu- and we, we are thankful that, that you are here and have chosen to be here. What is peace? If you go to Webster's Dictionary, this is the definition that you'll find. A state of tranquility or quietness. Freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts our emotions. The story is told that a former president of the Norwegian Academy of Sciences and Historians from England to Egypt to Germany and India have come up with some startling startling information about peace or the lack of peace. Since thirty six hundred BC the world has known only two hundred and ninety two years of peace. During this period, there have been 14,351 wars, large and small, in which 3.64 billion people have been killed. The value of the property destroyed would pay for a golden belt around the world 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick. Since 650 B.C., there have also been 1,656 arms races, and only 16 of which have not ended in war. The remainder ended in the economic collapse of the countries involved. All the years that have passed by, and the majority of those years have lacked for peace. And yet, we can look around in our world today, we can look in our neighborhoods, and those we go to school with, and those that we go to work with, and we see they lack peace. But what about us? I want to share with you some things that I found out about the word peace. In the Hebrew, the, the term peace means or is the term shalom. It's the concept underlying uh, of peace is of fastening as, the, as to achieve a stable condition. The word translated peace does not only mean the absence of war or conflict, but it includes qualities like this. Wholeness, tranquility, as we have already mentioned. Stability, spiritual soundness, and good health. As beautiful as the word shalom is, and as much serenity as it implies, twice Jeremiah used the term to rebuke people, warning God's people whose hearts had turned from Him, yet they lacked that, uh, that sense of tranquility, that stability, that peace. Jeremiah said, "...because from the least of them, even to the greatest of them, everyone is given to covetousness." And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have also healed the hurt, the hurt of my people, slightly, saying peace, peace, when there is no peace. Jeremiah chapter six. The writers of the New Testament uh, use a word similar to shalom, but it, it's it's our English word, peace. And according to the Uh, International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, uh, this word peace has much the same meaning as that of shalom, with a higher spiritual fulfillment because of the coming of Christ into the world. So though this word shalom in the Old Testament uh, has a a meaning of, of tranquility and stability, that in the New Testament of peace, it's higher because of Jesus Christ. Coming into the world, W. E. Vine says the word is used, or the word is used 95 times in 88 verses, and is found at least once in each of the New Testament books except First John. And W. E. Vine says it describes a harmonious relationship between God and men, between men and men, and among nations, as well as order in the state and in the churches. It addresses friendliness and freedom from molestation. That's the idea of peace. And so the world seeks this peace. And Jesus Christ has brought this peace into the world. And John will say, we'll look at later John 14, that Jesus gives peace in a different way than what the world gives peace. Jeremiah kind of understood that because he rebuked his uh, his people that they try to uh, give peace. But yet there is no peace because they seek it in all the wrong places. Well, I want us to turn to a few passages of Scripture and, and see how this word peace is used. And then I want us to focus on two Scriptures in our remaining time uh, tonight. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15. I want us to begin in about verse 13. You you will remember over in chapter thirteen how Abram he sought peace with his herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot his kinsman and that was that was difficult this took a lot of courage on Abram's part but yet that's what he sought he sought peace between uh, between his herdsmen and that of Lot's and in Genesis chapter fifteen I want us to begin in verse thirteen. God speaking to Abram, then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, as far as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall see, be buried at a good old age. So what was God trying to suggest to Abram? Listen, I, I made you this promise. I, I made you this promise that, that uh, you would be blessed with many nations, with many children, with many family members. And that ultimate blessing coming through in Jesus Christ. And you remember the children of Israel, They uh, they when they ended up down in Egypt, they spent about 400 years, didn't they? In that Egyptian bondage. And Abram, God wanted Abram to understand, listen, it's okay. I'm going to take care of them. Therefore, like we talked about this morning, the idea of assurance, that faith, he trusted in God. He said, now you can go to your fathers in peace. You can die in peace, knowing that I'm going to take care of the promise in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 12, the Bible says, "For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace, the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. If you read your book this morning, you'll also come uh, uh, this week, you'll, your devotional book, you'll also come across Psalm four and verse eight. The Bible says, "In peace, I will both lie down." And sleep. For you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. The idea of the psalmist is saying put your faith, your trust, your assurance in God, and therefore you can have peace when you lie down, when you sleep. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you remember verses 1 through 8, Solomon, he talks about in in Ecclesiastes 3 there, there's a time for everything. And there down in verse 8, he says, there's a time for peace. Luke would write in Acts chapter 12 and verse 20, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. Paul would write in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The peace that Paul describes there solely reflects on our relationship with God. It can't be earned by meritorious works which we would be tempted to boast. You remember Paul said in Ephesians 2, we're saved by grace through faith, not of, our, not of ourselves. Lest any man should boast. Nor can it be pushed on anybody unwillingly, as some today might teach. Yes, Jesus paid it all. Therefore, all to Him we owe. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who seek that tranquility among people. Blessed are those who seek that stability, even prosperity. You see, it isn't the peace talkers, it isn't the peace lovers, or even the peace marchers, but the peacemakers who will be blessed. Now I want us to think about two passages of Scripture for the next few minutes. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and we want to look at verses 12 verses twelve through 17. By the way, while you're turning there, I do want to note that peace is also found in the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. So, peace, when we seek to walk in the Spirit, we have peace as a fruit of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2. And if you'll bear with me, I want us to just read through chapter two here, and we'll focus on uh, verses twelve and following towards the end of the chapter. But just to get that picture, let's start in verse one, Ephesians chapter two. And you made you He made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power. "...of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience." You see, we sang opposite of that while ago, when we sang about the Prince of Peace. "...among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we uh, were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." So when we live for the world, we did not live in peace. And isn't that interesting as I think through Ephesians chapter 2? And Paul is reminding them we once lived after the flesh, but when you live after the flesh, there is no peace. Yet, we have those who suffer various addictions. Many of those addictions likely begin seeking for peace, but peace in the wrong places. And Paul says when we get to that point and when we get so addicted to the desires of the flesh, we are essence, children of wrath. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love, and here's the hope, with which He loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them what a blessed hope that Jesus Christ brings into the world and brings into the lives of people. What a message for us to share with those people who are hurting those people that that you and I know that are seeking peace in all the wrong places. Paul says, listen in the name of religion I sought peace. But there was none. Only in Jesus Christ. Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. I'm in verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise. Abraham. Having no hope and without God in the world but now Christ Jesus but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in the flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself a new man from the two thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace, "...to you who are far off, to those who are near. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father." He'll go on to say, "...you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens." There's no longer a separation. And no longer do we have to seek peace in religion, or peace in the world, or peace by all these things... Because we have peace. Because Jesus Christ is peace Himself. He is our peace. And notice who our peace is. It's Christ Jesus Himself. Notice who made peace. It was Christ through His death on the cross, nailing the law to the cross. And who preached peace? It was Jesus Christ Himself. You see, Jesus extended peace to new heights. And he gave reassurance to his frightened disciples just before his death. John 14:27 and John 16:33. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. And he said, "Let not your heart be troubled. Be at peace. Neither let it be Afraid In John 16, He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in Me you, have, you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Jesus says, You're not alone. Paul says you're no longer foreigners or strangers, but you can have peace in Jesus Christ. He did it again just after His death and resurrection. In John chapter 20, verses 19, verse 21, verse 26. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to him, Peace be with you. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And then you remember we looked this morning in John chapter 20 at when He uh, appeared to Thomas. And after eight days, His disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. can you imagine... Can you imagine how these disciples must have felt? We read about it in the first part of the book of Acts. That They didn't know what to do next, it seemed, at times. The one that they had been following in the flesh had departed, was no longer with them. And Thomas, remember, we mentioned this morning, he says, No, unless I see Him, unless I have confidence because I've seen Him, I will not believe. And when Jesus came into that room, He said, Peace be on you. No, no doubt man's greatest search is to find peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. Turn now, if you will, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Baker's New Testament commentary had to say had this to say about peace as it relates to Philippians four peace is the smile of God reflected in the soul of the believer it is the heart's calm after Calvary's storm it is the firm conviction that he who spared not his own son will surely also along with him freely give us all things Romans 3 eight and 32. You will keep Him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4 beginning in verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. Peace from Philippians 4 means... I'm sorry, rather where it says surpassing all understanding. This peace when we seek God, when we seek Him in prayer... This peace that passes all understanding means to hold oneself above. This is peace that is far above. It excels anything else. It is superior. It is better. It is more excellent. Similar message that the Hebrew writer gives to those people. Christ is better. And any peace that this world might have to offer, peace in Jesus Christ is Better, it far surpasses all understanding. So, how do we receive this peace, Paul? Have you ever had difficult times? And in difficult times, when it's stressful and there's a lot on you, what does the world say to do? Visit the package store. Get some spirits, right? But not the Holy Spirit. And you and I all know, don't we, how strong that pull can be. whether it's touched someone in our family or whether it's touched us individually. We know the strong pull of the world. And we know Satan is a part of piling those things on us sometimes and says, hey, nobody will know. Hey, it will ease your pain. Man, you'll feel good. You will forget your pain. But what Satan promises, and if you've walked down that road, you know what Satan promises is empty. He may call it peace, but it's empty peace. And Paul says, how do you receive that peace? Well, first of all, you're not anxious about anything. You take everything, everything to God. God. And when we submit to God and when we take those things to God and we say, God, I, I can't do it. I, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling carrying this load. And then we're reminded of those words of Jesus. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In a sense, He might say, I will give you rest. Peace. Paul says, when you take all that to God in prayer, with thanksgiving, making your request known to God, what happens? God gives us peace. Peace that, that the world can't understand. Peace that in the midst of carrying heavy loads, people say, I don't know how you do it. And we say, I don't. It's only through the peace that comes from God through Jesus Christ. Paul says, finally, you want that peace? Whatever things are true, We know the difference in truth and untruth. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, those things that are a good character, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, and I love the the term that the New King James puts in there, it says, meditate on these things. Why is that? Because Satan is at work. Satan is at work, and his works are evident. The works of the flesh. And the flesh and the Spirit, they're contrary to one another, Paul says in Galatians 5. And he challenges those people to walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he challenges the people in Philippians chapter 4, he says, you meditate on these things. You take your problems and your issues to God and then you meditate on these things. Because Satan is putting through our music, through our TV shows, through billboards, through the internet, he is constantly, constantly flooding us with things of the world. I mean, you can be listening to Pandora or anything that have ads on it. You look on Google, they have all of these ads. And you know, you search the internet, all of those ads are not good. Snapchat, young folks. I have one, I looked at it today. And, and I'm blown away, the things that's right there in front of you saying, look at me! And it's not good stuff. Daily we are bombarded with all of these negative, unpeaceful messages. And Paul says if you want peace, if you want to enjoy that peace in Jesus Christ, meditate on these things. Remember in Genesis chapter three, do you remember how Satan came at Adam and Eve? He caused them to change their thinking, and that 's how he was able to get to them. You remember in Second Samuel chapter eleven and verse uh, uh, chapters eleven and twelve when David really he should be off at war and he's up there on that house and At the time of the day when when people go on their roofs and they bathe, and he sees Bathsheba, he sees something he shouldn't see, that really, spiritually speaking, was not his to see. And the man after God's own heart loses peace. He loses peace that God had granted him because he sought the things that Satan put in front of his eyes. And it's tough. But Paul says, you take those things to God and God will give you peace that surpasses all under Standing, As the Vietnam nightmare was coming to a close, President Nixon addressed the nation from the Oval Office on radio and television. And it was one of the most memorable statements he made. He indicated his knowledge of this, that peace is more than simply stopping combat, combat And conflict. This is what he said. We must recognize that ending the war is only the first step toward building peace. All parties must now see to it that this is a peace that lasts and also a peace that heals and a peace that not only ends the war in Southeast Asia but contributes to the prospects of peace in the world. maybe this could have happened, maybe not. But wouldn't it have been awesome? Wouldn't it have been awesome if President Nixon would have said, Ending this war is only the first step toward building peace. The Apostle Paul says for us to be anxious about nothing, but in everything, and take everything to God in prayer and supplications, with thanksgiving, letting our requests be made known to God. And the peace that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. For you see, that's where true peace is found. Maybe it is you're here tonight, and maybe you haven't felt at peace. Maybe it is you've been seeking peace in, in some other ways. Maybe it is you know of people that have been seeking peace in other ways. Let's pray for those. Because it's a dead-end road. And those of us who maybe have gone down that way before know it's a dead-end road and it's full of empty peace. Let's pray for those people. Let's take those people to God in prayer. And if you're here tonight and, and you feel at un, unpeace, because maybe uh, in a way, like Ms. Gail mentioned this morning, been seeking uh, all the things in life, looking and worrying about all the things in life instead of taking those to God and receiving peace from God, you know what? It's a beautiful opportunity that we have tonight. Because if you have all these things on your mind and on your heart, what better time, what better place than with your church family? your Christian family to say, will you go with me to God and take these requests to God so that I can leave here having the peace that only comes from God. Maybe this is you're here tonight and you're not a child of God. You see, we've already mentioned and established that true peace comes through Jesus Christ. And maybe you haven't given your life to Him, submitted your life to Him, in faith and obedience. By doing what many people did in, New Te- in the New Testament Scripture, uh, nothing magical about the water, but to symbolize what Jesus did and to symbolize their submitting to God in faith and obedience, they went down in that watery grave of baptism to rise in newness of life, being united, at Romans chapter 6, being united with Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins through the blood of Christ. If you're not if you're here tonight and you've not done that, it's our prayer that you will. If you're looking for peace, it's only found in Jesus Christ. And if you need help with that, we ask that you will let us assist you any way we can, as together we stand and sing.
1: This glorious thought, my sin. That's so-
0: Talked about a couple of times, the uh, the film uh, is Genesis History, and I just wanted to remind you one more time that that they will be showing one more encore of that uh, this Tuesday down in Florence. If you want more information about that, uh, there's some in the bulletin, but also you can go to isgenesishistory.com.
1: Thank you all for being here tonight. If you are not able to be here with us this morning, uh, we always like to make the Lord's Supper available on Sunday evenings. For those that could not join us, that's going to be in Classroom A2. We're
0: going to sing the last verse of it as well, with my soul, before we're dismissed in prayer. But if you need to take the Lord's Supper, you can exit at this time.